when you're seeing people that aren't there, that's not super fun. I don't know if you've done it. I don't recommend it. You're listening to Scars We Share. I'm your host, Kayleen. If you've been enjoying the show, will you please share about it on your social media? I'm really trying to get the word out, so hopefully more people can be helped by the stories shared here. For this episode, I, again, spoke with a guy I went to high school with. Be aware that this episode has been marked as explicit for language. He also mentions drug use and talks at length about an episode of psychosis. Hello. I am Taylor Doing. I've never been the guest on a podcast before. I've only ever had guests on my own things I've done before. So this is this is kind of cool. Uh, I feel so special. Um, yeah, my name's Taylor Doing. I uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I work in manufacturing, and I run a couple of different uh, YouTube gaming channels. So yeah, what are they? By the way, what are your gaming channels? Uh, one of them is called Ignorant Nerds. Again, if you like video games, you might enjoy it. If you don't like video games, you're not going to enjoy it at all. So one of them is called Ignorant Nerds. That's my main channel. And one of them is called Tabasco Sass. Uh, I do that with my little brother. That's yeah. awesome. It's, it's, a, it's like a failed... I don't know if you've ever heard of what speed running is. Uh, but it's where people try to complete a game as fast as they can. And this, oh, okay. This is a failed speedrunning channel where it's just me making horrible mistakes. And it's just, it's all, both of them are comedy channels. My whole life revolves around comedy. I mean, I do stand up comedy. So I write jokes. Like, that's my life is comedy. I love that so much. I love comedy. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, do you actually like go places and do stand up? Or what do you like? So, I've only done it a couple times. Okay. Um, but I, I do consider myself a stand-up comic because, like, I've done it a couple of times, but I've been writing jokes for years. I've been not necessarily writing them, but coming up with jokes. In the last mm -hmm. year or so, year plus, I would say, I've been actively writing down jokes. <clears throat> and I've been on stage a couple of times doing my jokes. And I've actually – my, my current plan is to write jokes for the next – the rest of this current year – and then come next year, I'm going to get on stage as often as I can because, you know, I love doing it. I love making people laugh. I've always been a class clown. It's it's just kind of always been my nature to be, you know, the center of attention and require people's attention and approval. So, you know, there's stand-up comedy for you in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh, that's so cool. So let's jump in with a physical scar. Um, so I have one physical scar that has actually been a, a significant part of my life. It hasn't really played a huge role. It's just kind of, it's always been, it's, it's been a talking point my whole life. When I was about, I want to say 10, I don't remember. It was so long ago. I, I'm going to say 10. When I was about 10 years old, my dad had built this fort in our backyard and um, just imagine a tree house. That's going to be the best way to, to think about it. Just imagine a tree house. And over this tree house, he had what's called a food parachute, which has a lot of holes in it. So the food boxes will fall fast. So you can deliver food to like third world countries during wartime and stuff like that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we had one of those parachutes and we had it draped over the tree house. And so all these little tethers would come down from the side, the tethers that would hold the boxes so they could float to the ground, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and we would hold onto those tethers and like swing out into the lawn and then like let go and roll across the grass. Well, I went to swing out one time and my foot got caught on another tether. And I was, I mean, it's about like the floor where it stands was probably close to eight feet, eight or nine feet tall. And I just let go of the tether I was holding and fell and shattered my elbow. Like it actually, it, oh. it crushed the bone. The, uh, the forearm, the, what is it, the fibia and tibia popped up over the, whatever that bone is in the bicep area. Like, so it dislocated. It was almost a compound fracture. Like all I had to do was oh puncture the skin. Yeah. And so I was in a 90 degree angle cast from the middle of my knuckles, like in my fingers up to my shoulder for about three months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
I had to have surgery because they had to go in and reconstruct my entire elbow. I had metal pins in my elbow. Yeah, it was crazy. I remember when I when they took the cast off, they had to go in and take the pins out of my arm. They were about two inches long. Um, and they took one out. And I'm sitting there like already uncomfortable. I was like, this is fucking weird. Like, people are taking shit out of my arm. So I'm already, I'm like, you know, 10, 11 years old at this point. And they're pulling shit out of my arm. And my mom faints. Like, she passes out. And so I'm like, oh, my God, Mom! You know? And the doctor's like, oh, 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 oh. It was, it was, so it was a pretty, uh, yeah. And I can't straighten my arm the entire way anymore. Like, my arm has a, a small curve to it permanently. Um, That's crazy. But, yeah. When I was really young, I couldn't, like, after I broke my arm, I couldn't hang on, like, monkey bars for very long because my elbow would start to ache. It was weird. That is, I have never broken a bone. I've, I've broken oh. a couple. <laughs> <laughs> my mom I is, count myself, I count myself very lucky that I have not broken a bone. Yeah, I was, I was the broken child. I, I broke my arm. I'm pretty sure I broke a pinky toe, but we couldn't really do anything about that. Yeah. And I, I broke my collarbone. yeah i broke it right in half like it it snapped in half it's it's healed awkwardly and so there's a bump in my collarbone now yeah that's so weird right yeah i I was the broken child all growing up i was always coming home with injuries and my mom was like well if you would have been playing like church ball or something i mean obviously she was joking yes that was always because she knew i was okay but when I broke my collarbone, man, I had never seen her so upset in my life. She is, she was so mad at me. I felt so bad, and it was right before my, it was right before my mission. Oh, oh, of course feel, it was. Right, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad about it. Didn't mean to hurt myself before I went to to my mission. Yeah, where did you serve your mission? I was in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. For the full two years, I I stayed out there. Well, good on you. I wasn't about to let... I, I knew I had to do it. I, I knew I had to be able to finish it. That was the whole thing. It's like I had to finish it. I gotcha. Um, <laughs> people will hear this on a previous episode. I have... I have issues with missions. I, <laughs> yeah, but that's a different story. <laughs> like, don't, don't let me put it this way. Do you, you remember Van Skidmore, right? Yeah. Oh man. I have, yes, I do. But I actually yeah, okay. still hang out with him on occasion. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, he said something very interesting to me that has now really stuck with me a lot. Uh, and I asked him about his mission and he was like, I'm glad I did it. I'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that rings true in a lot of ways. It's like, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I experienced it, but I would never do it again. Like you couldn't pay me to do it again. It wouldn't be worth it. It was, um, it just, it wouldn't be worth it. It was already too much at the time, but it's like, it's something you feel like, like I accomplished this. I did this. I was able to survive this just for lack of a better term. Yeah. No, I totally understand. That's actually like almost exactly how my husband feels about his. Yeah. He's like, I would never do it again. People who talk about their mission being an amazing thing. That was not me. He's like, it was not. Yeah. It was not an amazing thing for me. I, it was, I had a very uh, interesting time on my mission to say the least. I, the more and more I'm starting to realize that with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was essentially put on suicide watch on my mission. My, uh, Oh, I almost asked if you knew one of my companions, of course you wouldn't. Anyway. Um, <laughs> one of my companions told me who I still keep in contact with lately. He was like, yeah, no, the mission president told me I was supposed to keep an eye on you. And I was like, yeah, no, I've heard that a couple of times now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, was super depressed on my mission. 
And that'll lead into, you know, future discussion in this podcast. Okay, well, let's let's move on into the internal scar then. So I'm going to – I shouldn't cry, just so you know. I shouldn't cry. Okay. But I've had a few beers earlier, so I might cry regardless. Okay. Um, just so you know. Um, I've had depression – I don't know. For quite a while. I want to say, in my opinion, that it's drug inflicted. Because when I was, like, right after high school, I got heavily into pills. I was snorting Adderall daily. Uh, Any other pill someone handed me, I would snort. But it was mostly Adderall. Like, I snorted heroin one time. So I'm pretty sure I really fucked up my brain. Um I know I had anxiety before that because I had a really bad anxiety attack when I lived in Malad, Idaho. Uh, in the middle of math class, I had a really bad anxiety attack. They rushed me to the hospital uh, to figure out what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. Um, maybe they didn't take me to the hospital. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I don't mm-hmm. remember much. I remember being basically drugged down the hallway by one of my re- my friends at the time because he was the biggest person in class and no one else could carry me to the principal's office because I was having this crazy anxiety attack. Um, so I've had anxiety for most of my life. I'm pretty sure I've had depression at least since I was about 18, like really bad depression. And on my mission, I had really bad depression to the point where I was uh, holding my breath underwater. I had two different counselors at the time. I was on medication and you know, I was essentially suicidal. When I got home from my mission, I actually tried to kill myself. I uh, had ended up tying or wedging a belt into a door frame and looping it around my neck and just basically letting my legs go limp and hanging there. And I don't know what they say in movies or I do know they say in movies. What they say in movies is pretty inaccurate. It goes black really fast. It uh, things start to disappear incredibly quick. I was barely able to open the door to let myself fall, but things were already black immediately. It so I've been pretty depressed for a long time. Yeah. Um, and last year, I mean, I don't really know what happened. Maybe I was overworked. Uh, things just started to come to a head. But I had had anxiety attacks for a few years leading up to this on my mission. Before my mission, after my mission, I would have these really bad anxiety attacks. And I would be like, I I would stiffen up, like I would hyperventilate. I would go stiff as a board and I would just lay on the ground. It would take about 30 minutes and then I would just be exhausted. It's like, after a little while, it just kind of became a a thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I'll just go get ready for it, essentially. And yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm at work one day and I... I'm thinking like, oh, I think I'm going to have um, an anxiety attack. So I finish up my work and I head home and have a couple of drinks. Like I like to give you a little bit of reference. I had probably four drinks, four shots of whiskey in the span of three hours. So not a lot of alcohol, mm-hmm. um, barely enough to make you feel anything. So. But I had a couple of drinks. I was trying to relax, just trying to have a good night. I was like, I know this anxiety attack is coming. I'm going to try and make it as light as possible. So that's why I was just kind of drinking a little bit. And I was watching Stranger Things, I think the third season. And I was all of a sudden, like, I could feel myself getting really angry. And I wasn't really sure what was going on. And I was getting so angry. I was getting angrier and angrier. And I'm just like, why am I getting so mad finally at one point I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm like fuming. I'm furious and I'm not sure why I'm so mad, but I'm, I'm just, I'm livid at something. And I'm f- kind of, I'm kind of freaked out. Cause like, why am I so mad? And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, why am I so mad? And I just kind of start laughing and which kind of freaks me out even more. It's like, why am I laughing? Like I'm furious and I'm laughing and I'm freaking out and I'm not sure what's going on. And I I throw myself to the floor, just kind of, excuse me, in hysterics, uh, not really sure what's happening. I'm I'm freaking out on the floor and I'm getting this urge 
that I need to hit myself in the head with something. And uh, uh, it's coming on really strong. It's like, it's like an itch that you have to itch. It was like something I couldn't control. And I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, this is something's wrong. Something's happening. And I have this, this empty beer bottle in my hand and I'm just smacking myself in the head two, three, four different times. And it feels like, it feels like I'm wrestling against somebody, like somebody in my head that is in control of my brain and I don't have control anymore. And I'm laying there on the ground and I'm trying to fight myself and no one's home in my apartment. I'm home all alone. And I'm just, I'm hysterical because it's like, it, it feels like my body is trying to kill me. And I don't know what to do. Um, and I'm laying there and I've hit myself probably three or four different times. And I hear my roommate come home and all I can do is scream out for him to come down because I, I don't know what else is going on. And, and I, he comes down and I'm just, I'm in hysterics. I'm hysteric. I'm crying. I'm, I'm just sobbing. I'm like yelling. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. My brain is going crazy. He runs, he goes upstairs. He's like, maybe I can get you some water. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He goes and grabs me some water and I grab a crowbar and I hit myself a couple more times. Like, I'm not sure why I have to hit myself, but it was like this thing that I had to do that I couldn't, I couldn't not do. Um, I don't know how else to explain it other than I couldn't not do it. And he comes back down with the water and he eventually was like, we need to go to the house. He's like, do you need to go to the hospital? I was like, I think so. I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, so he takes me to the hospital and I can remember texting my buddy David a little bit. And I think telling him what was going on. I don't remember the exact details, but I remember him telling I was going to the hospital and I kept having this urge, like I need to smash my head through the windshield, which is like, I know this all sounds crazy and it is pretty crazy, but I needed to like crash something over my head. Uh, luckily, I didn't break my windshield. Uh, I didn't hit my head or anything. I ended up cutting my arm and with a pin or something. I can't remember. Get to the hospital and that's kind of when like my week from hell sort of began and I ended up, you know, in the hospital two different times. I ended up in a psych ward for about four hours, which is, man, psych wards suck. I, um, sorry, interject whenever you want. I've been talking for, I think for about oh, 10, 12 minutes. Uh, you're totally fine. I like to just listen. You're good. Oh, okay. So the psych ward like I got, I got admitted to a psych ward and let me, I guess we're only 20 minutes and I've got time to yeah. elaborate. Um, so after the initial thing happened, I go to the hospital. Um, I go home. I um, am not in a good place, obviously. And, and then within the next couple of days, I start, I start seeing things. I start seeing in the shadows there were people in pretty much every shadow I saw. There was someone standing there, which sucks. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. To, it sucks to see shit like that. And uh, so I start seeing these things in the shadows to the point where I uh, like my sister. Well, that night they told me the night I went to the hospital. They're like, we we can't release you unless you have. Uh, people that are there to watch you because at this point we can only rule out that you're suicidal and we have to have people there to watch you otherwise you have to stay here and my older sister had pretty much rushed down from Idaho and she came and stayed with me and just FYI this story might be a little out of order because I don't remember it very clearly you're fine um, the whole week was kind of a blur but uh <clears throat> So my older sister's with me for a couple of days, um, which was great. I didn't care at all. Uh, it was nice to have someone around. Uh, I'm going to work, and I have to have her 
and my little sister come to work with me because when it was getting dark, I had to close this warehouse down and I would see people everywhere and I, I couldn't not see people. And so I had to have people there to close with me. Otherwise I'd, I'd freak out. I mean, when you're seeing people that aren't there, that's not super fun. I don't know if you've done no. it. I don't <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> um, but so I had to have, had to have someone there to close with me. Cause I was, I mean, obviously I'm freaking out all the time already. Cause what the fuck just happened that I had to end up in the hospital. That's given me like some sort of PTSD. I'm sure at the time. And now I'm seeing people that aren't there and that's fucking with me really hard. <clears throat> and then I start hearing voices while I'm trying to fall asleep. Like, I didn't hear him very often. I only heard him a couple of times. Uh, seeing, seeing the people happened a lot more often than hearing anything. Uh, but I would hear voices while I was trying to fall asleep. They didn't, I didn't really understand what they were saying. They were just, just kind of gibberish. I wish that I had like a funny story about that. Like they were like, oh, maybe fart on the kitten or something. I wished, but it was <laughs> it was just complete gibberish when I heard anything. So then after, you know, after 48 hours are up and after my sister doesn't have to stay with me to make sure I'm not going to kill myself because apparently – I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I can only assume that the reoccurring statistics within the next 48 hours are pretty high or else they wouldn't have that rule enforced by the hospital to have family watch you for that amount of time. Yeah. Um, so she is no longer, I'm no longer in her care essentially. And um, I, uh, I'm driving home from work one day and like I'm, I've been having these micro blackouts at the time where I would just be gone for about two, three seconds and I would pop back in and I would, it, it, would, it would be two or three seconds later. And it was very jarring. And I was driving home from work one day, you know, this is only about day four or five or whatever. I'm still trying to function. Um, I'm still, I'm still trying to pretend like this isn't a big deal essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, is what's happening. I'm trying to be like, I'm fine. I can handle life or whatever. Driving home from work one day and I have one of these, I'm having these like small micro blackouts and I almost rear into semi and I call my mom. I'm like, I need to talk to someone because I'm driving and I've almost ran into the semi and I'm not sure what's going on. And so I go to her house and things start moving. It uh, looks like the carpet is breathing. It looks like Things on tables are like bouncing a little bit. So I'm freaking out. She ends up, we end up in a psych ward. And uh, that's, that's a whole thing. It's, it's like, like, I don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward. Nope. I mean, you see them on TV. Uh-huh. Uh, but the one here in Salt Lake is, it's underground in the back of the hospital, right? So you go to the back of the hospital and it's underground. So right off the bat, like super cool. Um, <laughs> so it's underground. You go in there. There's probably about, in all honesty, I would say three to five cops just there in in the waiting room. Just there in the waiting room. Um, okay. Yeah, right? It's so... <laughs> You already know you're not in the greatest place you want to be. It's not Disneyland. Yeah. And go in there. They hand me a clipboard. I have to fill out the whole story. Like, this is what happened. Yada, yada, yada. All that shit. Hand them back the clipboard. And I sit in the waiting room for probably 40 minutes. Wow. Um, just waiting for someone to come get me go into the first room. The nurse comes get me. I go into the first room. Uh, she takes all my clothes, gives me this gown and these sh- fucking socks. And I they're don't like know. Anti-slip socks. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, I, I've never felt crazier than having to wear a gown and those fucking socks, man. <laughs> like the gown was one thing. you see people in the gown yeah. And you're like, oh, they just got out of surgery. But you see people in the gown and the socks, you're like, oh, they have an extended stay kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And so 
she takes my clothes because she doesn't. She wants to make sure I can't hurt myself with anything. Gives me the gown and socks. Asks me all the same questions that I've already filled out in the form, and I'm like, "All right, whatever." That's what they usually do. They ask you the twice, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I sit in that room for about forty minutes, um, and then another nurse comes and gets me. He takes me into the next room, right next to it, just connected by a sliding door, and. On the other side of that room from the other from the sliding door is another sliding door which is wide open that leads into the waiting room, right? So now I'm in I'm in this second nurse this second room that has a door agape into the waiting room while I'm wearing the gown and socks. And he goes through all the same shit the first nurse goes through, asks me all the same questions. And I'm in there again for about 40 minutes. Um, And I'm just sitting there looking into the waiting room, looking at people wearing normal clothes, knowing that when they look at me, I'm not wearing normal clothes. I'm in there because I'm crazy, right? So I'm already super uncomfortable at this point. Uh Uh-huh. Because these fucking people can see me in the crazy people clothes. So after about the 40 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe close to an hour, I don't know. We were there for a total of four plus hours. Um, A nurse comes and tells me, she's like, oh, you can go sit in the waiting room. And I'm like, great. Um, So now I'm in the waiting room, in the crazy people clothes, surrounded by people in their regular clothes, being not crazy. For about 40 minutes to an hour, just sitting there in a robe, in socks, feeling like a fucking monkey at the goddamn zoo. Finally, another nurse. It's horrible, by the way. Yeah, no, it's it was it was super shitty. I and I expressed this to to the staff themselves. I was like, this is fucked up. I even expressed it to my therapist afterwards. I was like, it was super fucked up. Like I felt like a fucking zoo animal. Like they're just parading me around. Like it, it was, it was shitty. It was awful. I hated it. So the last nurse, well, not the last nurse, the second to last nurse comes back and gets me. And she starts asking me all the same questions and I blow up at her and I'm like, why can't you guys look at your damn paperwork? I've answered this question so many times. Look at your fucking... Okay, I'm just... Uh, so I freak out at her. She leaves. Another doctor comes in. The same spiel. But that 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 is essentially how going to a psych ward goes. They, I mean, in the end, they ask me, like, you can stay here if you want. But we also think that you can go home under supervision And so, obviously, I went home. I wasn't about to stay at a psych ward. I wanted to be home where I was comfortable. Yeah, like, it was that. That sucked. That was. It just, I felt like, like, I already felt crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I also felt like a zoo animal. Just being kind of paraded around in front of all these regular people. It was a little frustrating. Uh, I can understand that. That's really kind of crappy. Yeah. I didn't fully enjoy it, believe it or not. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But then a little, a few days later, I had another pretty bad attack. Um, I ended up cutting my arm pretty bad. I have a scar. It's pretty faint now. I can still see it. But I I ended up grabbing it because I felt like I needed to hurt myself again about a week later. And I ended up grabbing a bottle cap and just going to town on the top, like right above my thumb, right mm-hmm. where the crack between your finger on the top of your hand. Yeah. Yeah, I just started scratching there as hard as I could and had to go to the hospital again and ended up meeting with a psychiatrist and two different therapists for – about a year and turns out I have severe bipolar with symptoms of schizophrenia. I was actually going to ask that because I knew you had talked about stuff like that on your Facebook. Yeah. Well, I, I laid out the whole story on my Facebook 
Yeah. In probably not as much detail, obviously, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you filled in some gaps. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fucking uh, shitty. Not gonna lie, I uh, I don't wish that on my worst enemies. <laughs> yeah. So. I was talking to someone yesterday. I was recording with someone yesterday. His episode will be up before yours. His name is Seth. So I was listening to him and he was talking about bipolar disorder. And I guess I hadn't totally realized that there was type one and type two bipolar disorder. Oh, I didn't know until just now. Yeah. So apparently there's type one and type two. And if I'm remembering it correctly, type one is more kind of like what you were talking about where like you cycle through different emotions and whatnot. Incredibly aggressively. In- we're yes. talking within moments. I can go from being happy to crying. Yes. I don't cry and often, but I do cry. Yes. And so it, you cycle through quickly in these like, Oh, what's it called? Oh my gosh. Why am I drawing a blank? Um, <laughs> episodes. Like it, it's an, it, you have like this episode where you're like cycling through all of these different, very strong emotions very yeah, it, quickly. It, it, it's like, I mean, it's hard to explain, but it, it's literally, it's going from the happiest you've ever been to the angriest you could ever be for no yeah. reason or, or little things will set you off for no reason. And you'll just be insanely pissed and, I've had to, excuse me, I was burping. I have had to really work on control because like I'll go, like little things will set me off and I'll, I'll just be off the handles, angry, like furious. Yeah. Oh, which is, uh, anyway, I'll go back to that in a second. So that's one where you like cycle through things and then type two, if I'm understanding it correctly, is you can have these but in longer amounts. So it's oh, yeah. like, like it'll last for a longer amount of time. You'll be one way for like a couple weeks and then you'll just yes. be angry for a couple. Yeah. 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 And so you, you go through some of these same cycles, but it's not this rapid changing like in type one. Yeah. Um, but as he was talking to me about it, I just felt like this, I don't know, like heartbreak. Like it's heart wrenching to me to hear that, like you have no control over your mind yeah, and what it's telling you and what it's telling your body to do. That sounds terrifying. Well, and on my mission, I, uh, the, one of the therapists I was seeing, he, he kept asking me, he was like, and this is like this free floating anger like he was he was trying to find something that I could tie this anger to and I was like it just feels like it's tied to nothing and even he was trying to understand he's like so it's just like the, he kept calling it like free floating anger like trying to understand what I was saying I was like yeah it's not tied to anything I'm not angry at anyone I'm just angry man that is that's got to be I know I already used it but that seriously has to be so terrifying that that must have been a horrifying experience for you yeah, I didn't love it. I mean, it wasn't my favorite time. I, I wouldn't, I don't draw on it fondly, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I imagine not. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that sounds terrible. So um, I'm going to go back. Also signs of schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. Is that you said that correct? Yes, um, correct. So is that where the seeing people, yeah, hearing that's voices, where... that's where all of that kind of came in? That's where the yeah, that's where the visual and audio audio came in, um, is seeing stuff. And you know, I haven't seen anything really since. Again, I've been medicated ever since then, and I will. Yeah. I will never go off my medication. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've when I've gotten really stressed, I've seen the carpet breathe again, but it's only happened I think one time where. I've gotten so stressed that the carpet was kind of breathing again. But yeah, it was it was weird. Like like hearing the voices wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. It was more just annoying. So I would be trying to fall asleep 
And all of a sudden, they would just be like, and that's what they sounded like. Uh, yeah. Nonsensical. And it sounded as clear as you talking to me. Like, And, and I, I can say that confidently because I remember there was one night I was laying there and I was kind of psyching myself out a little bit. And I was kind of like, I'm going to hear them again. And I kept trying, like, I kept like thinking I was hearing them. And then all of a sudden, bam, they were there again. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I'm not just psyching myself out. This is real. Like yeah. these, these sounds are real in my head, but those were more annoying than anything. Mm-hmm. Seeing the shit that really scared me because, you know, when it's dark outside, you're always already kind of paranoid of like, oh, yes. the people in the shadows or whatever. Yes. And then and then you see them and it just like exemplifies everything or, or not exemplifies. Um, uh, exacerbates. Or- exasperates. Yes. Exasperates everything and just makes it so much worse because now it's there. Now your fear is realized. At least that's what it was for me. Yeah. Uh, and these people were there in the shadows all the time everywhere everywhere i looked if it was nighttime it was awful and i yeah it was bad i had a hard time i had to sleep with a lamp on because i couldn't fall asleep because there would be because if it was dark fuck that (laughs) fuck the dark (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that sounds terrible oh my gosh yeah that sounds horrifying yeah it was uh it was it was definitely something Okay, so uh, you met, you already mentioned that you're medicated. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of walk me through, like, what happened after you got your diagnosis? What did that look like after that? Well, actually, a little bit before I actually, I mean, because in order to get those kind of diagnoses, you have to be under direct scrutiny for at least a year. Okay. Um, I wasn't, those are the diagnoses that were like, this is what's probably happening, but I couldn't afford to be under direct scrutiny like that for a year. Yeah. Just like to be able to pay my own bills. I couldn't afford that kind of shit to happen, but that's where they were like, this is what it is. These are the things that we're seeing. We're fairly confident. This is what's happening. It was scary. It was, it was really scary thinking like, Oh, like I'm actually crazy. You know, like, like I'm actually crazy. Like that sucks. And that was a lot to really internalize mm-hmm. and to just be like, like, yeah, you're, I mean, you're about as close to being movie crazy without being movie crazy as you can be. You know, I've heard, I've heard voices. I've seen people like I'm actually crazy. And that was, really it was it was really tough to kind of accept yeah because it's like fuck you know like there's shit in my head that can never be understood like no one really knows what it is we can try and medicate it and make it a lesson Mm -hmm. um but if i ever go off medication that's what it is i'm just crazy I have that shit that can happen to me and that it sucked. It sucked to hear it. It was nice in a sense uh, because I could put a label to it. Yeah. But I mean, it sucked. And I even, uh, my aunt who helped pay with all the bills, she, she suggested that I get a CT scan to make sure there wasn't a tumor or anything that was causing this. And I, I'm not going to lie. Like I really hoped like I, I, I don't pray, but the equivalent of my praying was that there was a tumor so that there could be a physical attribute yeah. to why this is all happening instead of just being crazy. And uh Yeah, it, it 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 sucks to just be to just know you're crazy. So that was rough. It was definitely rough. I believe that. And like uh, I won't necessarily go into like my thoughts on crazy and like you saying you're crazy because I'm like you're not crazy your mind is just, <laughs> just messed up like there's just something wrong with your mind but, but um, you, you know what I mean I mean I know I know yeah, yes yeah. I know yes I totally know what you mean um 
but I like, I cannot imagine how frustrating it has to be to know that like your brain just doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Cause that's really what it all comes down to is like, there's, there's something wrong with your brain and that's how it is with all mental illness. Like that's, that's how it is, is there's something wrong. Something's not working the way it's supposed to. And it is so, it's gotta be so frustrating not having a, an answer. And that, I feel like that is the most frustrating thing with mental illness is there's no perfect answer. There's no perfect way to cure it. There's, there's no fix. It's not like when you had your broken, shattered arm where they could, they had a course of action. They knew how to go in and fix it. And yes, you can't, you don't have the full range of your arm anymore, but they knew how to fix it. But yeah, I still have a functional arm that has, you know, all the capabilities of a regular, I just had to learn how to deal with a slightly bent arm, which wasn't a problem. But yeah, yeah, like you're saying, it's like, there's no fix for mental illnesses. They don't even know it. I mean, they understand a little bit. It's like, Oh, this part of the brain is doing this. Why? We don't fucking know. It just yeah. isn't doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's got to be such, that's just got to be so frustrating. Like, that's what I, I know I keep saying that, but that's got to be just the worst. Not having yeah. any way to fix it. And like, I'm glad that you're on medication to at least like, help. Yeah. Yeah. So are there other things that you do to try to help navigate through coping, like coping mechanisms? Do you have other things that? Um, well, with the medication I'm on so much anymore, I, like I said, I haven't had the amount of depression that I've had. Like I, I got, I, I caught the lottery with the medication I have. I, I, I think I need to readjust it a little bit, but in all honesty, I think I caught the lottery I, I'm not as, I I wake up, I used to wake up depressed. I used to wake up angry and not know why I have nothing to tie it to. Just, I would wake up angry and I would have to force myself out of bed and be like, all right, well, I have to go to work. So, you know, I'm a responsible adult. I have to go do shit. And so I would just kind of force myself into habits and I would, I would be able to feign happy, like being in a good mood when I was talking to people because I could kind of forget for a moment but as soon as like a person left my my line of sight or the conversation i was right back to where i was um whereas now with the medication i'm on i wake up and i just wake up you know i don't feel anything i'm just like oh i'm awake now i'm tired blah like i i feel like a normal person and Mm -hmm. so a lot of my daily life hasn't changed i still I I'm kind of stuck in my old habits because I used to I used video games a lot to escape mm-hmm. uh, when I was feeling like shit. I was like I'm just gonna play a video game and I'm just gonna escape. And I still play a lot of games. I mean, my YouTube channels are both video gaming channels, like I said earlier. And so I still I still play a lot of games, but I don't really use them as much of an escape as much as I just use them as like for fun now. Yeah, you um, just enjoy it. Yeah, I just enjoy it. So I don't. I don't know. I don't think I have a lot of like, oh, I'm doing all these great things. I Medication really saved my life. I, I think I was one of the lucky ones whereas, where medication just pulled its weight and yeah. it gave me the options. Like I, I now can choose like, you know how they ever, everyone says like, oh, just, you know, just be happy. You know, blah, blah, oh, yeah. Blah. I I finally feel like I can actually make that decision where it's like if something upsets me, I can consciously be like, you know what? I'm not going to let this upset me. Like I can actually make that decision now. Like it's a real option for me and not just being angry for days or whatever. Yeah, that makes absolute perfect sense. Well, that's good. Because I know that medication is this, like, you have to choose, like, you have to switch between different ones until you find the one that works for you. You have to try different amounts that, like, I know that medication can be, like, and it's also, difficult, but it's really good in the long run. Yeah, well, and it's also so taboo as well, like. Yeah, 
when people say they're on medication for mental health, I mean, especially with someone that's on medication for mental health, my first thought is that their first thought is, oh, you know, blah, 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 or whatever. Just like the stigmatism that kind of comes yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. And which is just paranoia. Oh, I also like that's, I have um, delusional schizophrenia is what it is. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that people are constantly going to stab me in the back, literally with a knife. My biggest paranoia on the planet is that I'm going to be stabbed in the back. Um, sorry, that's a side note. <laughs> just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. And so this might sound kind of weird, but as it's okay that it sucks. Yeah. Like, because I feel like one of the other things that people say sometimes is, well, you just need to look on the bright side. Your medication is working, you know, like, whatever. And for me, I'm like, that's so invalidating. It's totally fine to say it sucks. Oh, yeah. And that is perfectly acceptable to say that it sucks that I have to take medicine every day to make sure that I don't have horrible episodes or whatever. Like, I don't know. I think that it's good that you're like, you know, I'm doing, I'm taking the medicine cause I need it, but it sucks. It sucks. And it does. It definitely sucks. I, 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 um, I don't know. I, I try to look at it in the sense it's like, yeah, it sucks, but what's the best way to put it? I don't want to say it's life, you know, kind of as a passive dismissal. Yeah, I got um, you. But how do I how do I express it? I I'm happy that it works though is the best way to put it. It's like yeah, the way I don't look at it in the sense is that it sucks that I have to take it. I I more think of it as that I'm happy that it works, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the outlook I I, I I've gone into this with because i mean what other outlook do you have you can either bitch and moan about yes. it well i have to take medication forever or you can just be like fuck yeah i found the right medication that actually works for me and i can function like yeah my life is like my men- my brain is still a little bit screwed up but i can function i can live i can focus and go forward and i don't know i think that's just a the better way to look at it and it's hard to look at it and if you're if you don't look at it that way get your medication adjusted <laughs> like I'm not kidding it sounds shitty but if you can't look at it that way that means you haven't been given the tools yet to make that decision and you you might need to get your medication adjusted or your daily routine or whatever yeah. you know you th- whatever's going to help you adjust whatever's going to help you to the point where you can make the decision that you can look at it in a way it's like oh I've found the right way and this is awesome Instead of saying like it sucks, I have to do this to to, to survive. Yeah, it's, a, it's I, convoluted, but yeah. No, I really love that you say that because oh, I really do hate that there's such a stigma around taking medication. Like ugh, it just bugs yeah. me. Because and I know I see it all the time on it's like memes or whatever on Facebook of like diabetics, you know, doing insulin shots or whatever, and people saying you wouldn't tell a diabetic that they didn't need their insulin shots. Don't tell someone who's mentally ill that they don't need medicine. Like I see that regularly, but it is true. Like mental illness is a very real thing. And medicine is very helpful. One of the women that I had on in my first season decided that she needed to get help and ended up uh, needing depression meds. And she was like, it kicked in so quickly and it gave, it gave me enough to realize, Oh, okay. I can see more now. I can yeah. see clearly like at yeah. the risk of like <laughs> going into song, but like she could, it gave her the ability to see her life more clearly when she started taking depression medication. Yeah. And I feel like, don't we want that for everyone? Don't we want everyone, as you said, to be able to now make the choice to not let things bother you? Yeah, and that's and that's what I think. You know, medication is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you 
it's supposed to get you to a place where you can make that choice and yeah. can make the choice to either be, to continue to be depressed. And if you feel like that's your only option, again, change your medication. That might be a big factor because you should be able to make the choice like, oh, I can actually choose to not let this bother me or, oh, I can wake up and not just be angry or depressed or whatever, or even hyperactive. I can wake up and not be overly hyper and whatever. I mean, with ADHD and such. Yeah. Supposed to be that level playing field. Just of course. Like, just of course. Do what you need to, to level you out. I don't know. I think that's so important. Medicine is not bad. (laughs) It's not bad. Yeah. And that's when it comes to mental health, again, there's such a stigma to it because Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in the pioneer age of, of a lot of mental health. Whereas, and I, I attribute it. I mean, this is just me personally. I, I kind of attribute it to a lot of the pollutants in, I mean, we have spiked in pollutants and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? fucking up our ozone essentially yeah i mean the amount of carbon monoxide in the air from cars and stuff that can't be good for our brains mm-hmm. and now we're reaping the benefits and that might be, not be it that's regardless of the point like but this is all coming to a reality recently yeah. where people are being like oh mental illness is a real thing people yeah. are actually super fucked up in the head and they're actually sick and maybe it's just a realization now maybe it's been around for centuries i don't know mm-hmm we could be wrong. I mean, PTSD, obviously, from like Vietnam and such. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm glad it's coming to a realization now where people are starting to to consider it a real illness in a real situation where where some – like my company I work for right now, um, there's actually a program where it's, uh, it's, it's like mental health days essentially and not just sick days. You have – after you've been there for a year – you can go to HR and talk to them about the mental health program that they have, which gives you X amount of days off, you know, without having demerits marked against you or anything like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's not a very common thing, but it's nice that something like that is starting to happen. Yeah. Well, because I think that that is, Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Even people who don't necessarily have mental health issues sometimes need a mental health day. Oh, yeah. Where, like, because let's be honest, we live in a stressful world. Mm -hmm. We have gotten so much added on to ourselves at this point that it's easy to get super overwhelmed by stress. Oh, yeah. And I think... Everyone sometimes needs a day where they can say, okay, I need a reset. So I think that, I honestly think that mental health should be, there shouldn't be a difference between mental health and physical health because it's all the same. Oh, I agree. To me, it's completely all encompassing. So there shouldn't be this separation, but there is like so many insurances don't cover mental health problems. Well, it's because um, no one understands the brain. Yeah. And so, so that you can't prove mental health really without being like, here's a picture of the brain activity. And it's like people just yeah. take that as fluff. You know, it's easy to see a broken leg. It's not easy to see a broken brain. But sorry, go ahead and continue. No, it, it's, it's basically just that. I think that it all needs to be together. And so sick days – doesn't necessarily have to be like physically ill days. Mm-hmm. They can be mentally ill days. And I really think that it should be an all encompassing thing and that it should be like everything <coughs> should, should, should cater to that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Absolutely. so cool. It's so cool that you're, that where you work does that. It should be everywhere. It shouldn't be an anomaly that your business offers that. Yeah. It should be the norm. Yeah, absolutely. It should be. I mean, it. it but it's, I. I don't know. It's going to take time. I. I fear. Like it's. It's. Yep. Because people are just barely starting to understand the brain and starting to accept <clears throat> that the brain has issues and not this perfect thing that's just going to work on a yeah. default base forever. That mm-hmm. there's going to be, you know, 
with uh, malfunctions, uh, abnormal abnormalities, and stuff like that to it. Yep. I mean, with PTSD, people just didn't accept it. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. Again, speaking of like Vietnam and stuff, uh, people just didn't accept it. They they just thought they were being little babies, you know, just man up. <clears throat> yeah. I, I went to war too. I was in such and such war, and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's like that's that's fine, but you know, that's that's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the anecdotal evidence fallacy. Yes. Uh, sense that just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean it doesn't happen at all. Yep. And with with mental illness, that fallacy reigns supreme. Mm-hmm. And it yep. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Man, excuse me. Sorry. We're about out of time. But I wanted to just kind of put this in there because it seems to be coming up a lot, actually, in the episodes for the men's season. I feel like something that makes all of it worse, like it, something that makes mental illness even more difficult for men is this toxic masculinity that our society has. Oh, yeah. Of, like, you just need to buck up and deal with it. Just Which be a makes, man. Just get over it. You know, you'll be yes. Just tough it out. Yes. And that's a, that's actually why I'm doing a men's season, is to, like, try to fight against that. Because I am definitely a feminist. But for me, I'm like, in order to be a feminist, you can't just, like, I think it's not just fighting for equal rights. It's also fighting for men to be able to be open and honest like women can. Yeah. Because and just fighting against toxic masculinity because it's just as detrimental. Yeah, it, it's such a dichotomy in human like the human existence. Like women can be emotional and men have to be this sustained stonewall Jackson kind of person, you know? Yes. And that's not the way it is because we're all human and we all have human emotions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but women have their period and they're just going to be so emotional. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Right. Don't you love that shit? Oh, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? I know. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we need to end, but this was absolutely amazing. So I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. Is there any last thing that you want to say before we end? Um, I know, big question. If you have nothing, that's fine. No, I would just say accept mental illness. Just accept it. It's a, it's a thing. Uh, it exists. I mean, the, the thing that's crazy to me is people – we're always willing to accept the crazy schizophrenics that were like seeing monsters and aliens. And they were always able to accept that as like an extreme, but they would never accept the gray area in between Mm -hmm. uh, where it's the minorness. So it's like, you know, some people get cancer, but some people get the cold. They weren't accepting of the cold of mental illness. And I would say, you know, accept the gray area. Yeah. There's a lot of gray area. I'm, Mine, unfortunately, leads to probably close to the beginning of the extreme area, but I would say it's still, you know, is muddled with the gray area of mental illness where it's not the craziest it could be, but it's, you know, it's definitely not normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Just yes. (laughs) Just accept (laughs) that it's real, you know. Yes. Don't ignore it. Shit happens and people are crazy sometimes and you just have to trust that what they're saying is factual. That's the biggest thing that it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Trust what people say. Like Validate yeah. people's emotions. Don't mm-hmm. say that they can't feel that way. Just validate someone's emotions. Yeah, because you don't know what's going on with them. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Taylor, for being on i really enjoyed hearing your story and being able to catch up a little bit with you yeah for sure yeah me and kayleen went to high school together (laughs) yeah yeah so thank you no problem i'm i'm was super when i saw that you were doing this i was like man i saw this at like the right time i need to i felt like i needed to share this because i shared it on facebook it's like i feel like People need to hear this, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully it helps somebody. Hopefully people can hear it and, 
you know, have a little bit more understanding for, for what some people are going through and just accept that they're going through it and not try to um, undermine it or belittle it. Un- even unknowingly it's, it's sometimes it happens unknowingly where you undermine what they're feeling. Just, you know, be cautious because where we're at is a brittle place. Sometimes it can be a very, very fragile area. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for a preview from next week. Please be kind to others, validate their feelings and just listen. This whole podcast is really based on listening to understand So many times you listen to respond, but I encourage you to listen to understand. Please share the podcast on your social media and help spread the word. I would really appreciate it. Check out the show notes at scarswishare.com slash episode 047. In fact, in our first apartment, we had kind of, we had a walk-in closet, a small one that was just big enough for me to like lay down in and I would just close the door and I'd be in there for hours. 